So tonight I'll be continuing on with our exploration of the five aggregates of clinging as a means of looking into our experience to see the different ways that we identify with experience that um, create a sense of I, me, or mine, that create suffering in our lives. Last week I spoke about the first of these aggregates or categories, that being rupa, or material form. Tonight we'll be moving into uh, the aggregates of the mind, um, beginning with the aggregate of Vedana. Vedana gets translated as sensation. We often think of sensation as being um, that of when, there's, say, there's touching, when we touch something, and sensation that arises from that experience, hardness, softness, roughness, whatever it might be, which is an experience of sensation, but also within the experience of sensation, there is what's called the feeling tone of experience. And this is where we experience that sensation to be either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. In looking into the suttas where the Buddha spoke about the five aggregates of clinging, he was, in using the word Vedana, he was always describing it in the way of the feeling tone of experience, that being pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. He talked about there being bodily agreeable feelings or body disagreeable feelings, how there can be mentally agreeable feelings and mentally disagreeable feelings, or indifferent or neutral feelings. When we look at these five ways that um, it's sometimes described, we can see that both bodily disagreeable feelings and mentally disagreeable feelings could be said to be unpleasant. Mentally uh, agreeable feelings and bodily agreeable feelings could be said to be pleasant. And then we have our uh, neutral, which is often described as being neither pleasant nor unpleasant. In speaking of Vedana, or the feeling tone of experience, it too often conflicts with the way in our culture we use the word feelings. Where, um, you know, if somebody asks us how we're feeling, we're not probably very likely to say that feeling tone of my experience is unpleasant. You know, we, we look to a bigger configuration where we might say, oh, I'm really happy right now which might mean that there's an abundance of pleasant experiences happening or that something great and wonderful just happened, that there's a lot of joy, happiness, contentment in the mind. Or if we said that, uh, you know, we probably wouldn't again say that the uh, 
the feeling tone in the mind was unpleasant. That more likely we'd say, I'm really angry right now, I'm really pissed off. And these uh, ways that we commonly answer the question, how are you feeling, point to uh, a, a different aspect of experience, which is much more complex, where there's more complex mind states, where there's an interaction between mind states and thoughts. Um, it's a much more complex state. But tonight, in using the word feeling, I'm pointing to this more simple aspect of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And in my own mind, I'm actually adopting a lot um, the word feeling tone, or two words, feeling tone. It seems to uh, help me to distinguish between what commonly in the culture we call feelings and what is being pointed to in the teachings with Vedana. So the Buddha described these feeling tones in the way of sukha, Vedana, all those wonderful, pleasant experiences uh, that happen when we come in contact with beautiful sights, smells, sounds, touch, or quite wonderful mind states, maybe peace, tranquility, contentment. This is where the object is agreeable to the mind. He talked about dukkha vedana. This is where there are sensations that are maybe really intense, sights that are repulsive, smells that are foul, sounds that are jarring, and tastes that are disgusting. Or maybe mind states that are really agitating. And this is where the object is unagreeable. And then we have upeka vedana. And this is where the objects are neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And these tend to be the experiences in life that we tend to not pay much attention to. Any experience that we have is accompanied by feeling tone. This is each time there is an experience through any of the sense doors. When we see something really beautiful, there's the object that is seen, there's the sense organ of the eye, and there's the consciousness that knows this experience. And when all of these three come together, there's what's called contact. And out of this contact, arises the feeling tone of the experience. And so with any experience we have, there is this feeling tone. It's an important aspect of awareness uh, that we can become aware of. It's it's quite... um, helpful to learn to pay attention to this feeling tone. In saying how important it is, I'd like to share a a story that comes from the time of the Buddha. And, you know, it's a story again of what somebody was doing at the time of their enlightenment. 
and I always love to hear. I'd like to put a book together at some point of, of things that people were doing when enlightenment occurred. And so the, the story is about Sariputta, as probably many of you know, is, was one of the chief disciples of the Buddha. He was called the Marshal of the Dhamma. And he was said to be second only to the Buddha in his depth and range of his understanding and in his ability to teach the Dhamma. He was said to be a man of great patience and steadfastness, modest and upright in thought, word, and deed. I was recently reading something Yanaponakatera said about Sariputta, in that Sariputta was one who, who gives to others strength and faith in the assurance of what a human being may become. It was also said that even amongst the arahants, those freed from all defilements, that he shone like the full moon in a starry sky. The point of the story tonight is that Sariputta reached um, full enlightenment as he was fanning the Buddha and listening to the Buddha give a discourse on Vedana, or feeling tone. And so this is what the Buddha was saying at the time of Sariputta's full awakening. And as I say it, may you have the good fortune of Sariputta. There are three kinds of feeling. These three are the feelings pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. On the occasion when a pleasant feeling is felt, at such time, an unpleasant feeling or a neutral feeling is not felt. Only the pleasant feeling is felt. And when an unpleasant feeling is felt, at such a time, a pleasant feeling or neutral feeling is not felt. Only the unpleasant feeling is felt. And when a neutral feeling is felt, at such time, a pleasant feeling or an unpleasant feeling is not felt. Only the neutral feeling is felt. Even the pleasant feelings are impermanent, conditioned, dependently arisen, subject to destruction, vanishing, fading away, and ceasing. Even the unpleasant feelings are impermanent, conditioned, dependently arisen, subject to destruction, vanishing, fading away, and ceasing. Even the neutral feelings are impermanent, conditioned, dependently arisen, subject to destruction, vanishing, fading away, and ceasing. These feelings are born out of conditions, are subject to change, and are impermanent. When the noble disciple sees this, his mind breaks away from pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, and even from neutral feelings. When the mind breaks away, it gets detached. When detached, it is released. When released, knowledge arises. Birth is destroyed. The holy life is lived. What should be done is done. He knows there's nothing more to wish for.
At that time, when Venerable Sariputta heard this, as he was fanning the Blessed One, standing beside him, it occurred to the Venerable Sariputta, this is the reason that the Blessed One asks us, to const- asks us constantly to dispel thoughts. When Venerable Sariputta reflected on this, his mind was released from desires without holdings. To understand something of the importance of uh, recognizing this aspect of experience of the feeling tone and the transformation of mind that is possible through it, I'd like you to take a moment now to reflect on something in your life that has been really pleasurable and that you continually habitually find yourself seduced by. You know, whether it's to bring to mind um, a beautiful man or woman, and every time you see this person that you just fall into lust, or whether it's to remember in your sitting practice how you, uh, you know, uh, there was a time when it was so effortless, so easeful, and how you just keep trying to recreate that. Just taking a moment to get in touch with some aspect of experience that you constantly get tripped up by. And so having this object in your mind, remembering this, opening to the pleasantness of this experience, Be with the pleasantness, allowing it to be there, not needing to try to prolong this experience, not needing to try to hang on to it, just really knowing of this pleasantness. And then this object disappearing fading away. And when it changes, there being no clinging to it, no wanting it to come back, no identification, an openness, a spaciousness of mind, We're not left on the run. We're not left grasping, chomping after. We're not thrown about by our experience. Similarly, imagining or remembering some aspect of experience that you have a lot of aversion to that is really unpleasant. Maybe it's somebody uh, that each time you even think of or you look at the way they walk, you just become aversive. And it just seems almost habituated as soon as you see them, think of them. Or maybe there's a sound that is just grating. Again, connecting 
with this experience. Feeling the unpleasantness of it. Can it be unpleasant without this being your definition of that person or who you are? Of that experience? It's simply unpleasant. In knowing its unpleasantness, it's not as if we have to get rid of it. It's just the way things are. Again, we open to it. We know it. Unpleasant experience. Body sensations that are strong, painful. Unpleasant experience. When we aren't caught in reaction to this pleasant or unpleasant experience, we aren't thrown about. We aren't manipulated by these experiences. The Buddha gave a lot of importance to Vedana, not just as an aggregate, but also as a foundation of mindfulness, a place that we can contemplate, turn our attention to, that we can learn to be mindful of, present to. I once had a teacher who described mindfulness of feeling tone as being the shortcut. And I don't actually think that there are shortcuts in practice. Uh, But my guess as to what he was pointing to is that when we are mindful of the feeling tone of experience, we're less likely to go through the emotional barrage that can follow it uh, when we identify with experience. It's a very simple way of cutting off craving, like to, to really be able to be present at the moment where craving, our habituated tendencies, jump, jump in. If we don't pay attention, these qualities of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, um, we move into the reactiveness, and that conditions the mind we then start to solidify around these experiences. And we get caught in this push and this pull, this wanting, this not wanting, or spacing out, not really being present. And when we really start bringing (coughs) mindfulness to this aspect of experience, it's phenomenal to see how deeply conditioned the grasping is how deeply conditioned it is to want to hang on to pleasant, to want to make ourselves more comfortable in life, to want to stay in pleasant circumstances, and how deeply we do not want the unpleasant, how we want to get rid of, move away from that experience. 
you know, it's almost like a cellular reflex. And we see this when we can be right at that level of experience, of contact, where experience through the sense door is coming together, being known, and this pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral quality is present. And then, you know, from there, many times in practice, we'll, sleep, we'll see it slip into the wanting or the pushing away of that experience. It can have strong ramifications to be present on this level of experience. And, you know, it's not just in practice where we see it microscopically. But we start to see it in the bigger pictures of our lives. How, you know, so often we base decisions upon what's going to give us the most pleasant experience. Or how we can avoid anything unpleasant. And yet the Buddha, through instructing us in this way, is really asking us to take a look. Be with the pleasant. Be with the unpleasant. Be with the neutral. Open to it. Be with it, and then we might not move into grasping, clinging. Just notice in your experience, uh, when you're sitting, many times it can happen that there's unpleasant body sensation. We don't like, pain is strong, we don't like it. And yet, maybe we don't notice it. And when we don't notice it, there can be a lot of ramifications of not noticing it. You know, that we could find that the mind is really agitated and we start, we start becoming really angry or becoming restless. You're sitting here and the, the restlessness grows and then suddenly you remember that um, there's something in your room that you wanted to do. And so you just get up and you do it. You know, and it can come from just a split second where we didn't notice unpleasant bodily sensation. And so there's a whole series of chain reactions from that. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, if we catch it, if we see, you know, we, and sometimes it is noticing there's agitation, and then it can be just a noticing, oh, there's unpleasant sensations in the body and we haven't been able to be with them. In our lives, when we don't notice these unpleasant sensations, it can have huge ramifications where, you know, we just set off in a whole um, direction that may never have happened should we have been able to recognize and be with an unpleasant experience. This really leads us into an investigation of clinging on quite a microscopic level where we can see the clinging in its arising. Pleasant experience. We grasp, we want, ah, we identify, oh, I'm so happy. You know, but if we see that, we can see it as pleasant and then noticing when the grasping comes in. Paying attention when it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant, when it has this neutral quality to it, 
It's hard to pay attention to. We're not trained in it. You know, in our lives, we have so much intensity that keeps us awake, that keeps us present. You know, and we chase after that intensity rather than being present when things are neutral. And if we don't pay attention when things are neutral, as well as setting off a cycle of, of chasing after intensity, it also means that in those moments, we're not completely present. And there can be a subtle sense of self that is there. There is a, a thread of ignorance in moments where you know, it's experienced more as boredom or just not really connecting because it's just neutral experience. Some form or you know, some subtle sense of identification is there. Some subtle form of delusion is present. And when we start putting together a lot of these neutral um, moments, then it becomes not so subtle. The delusion becomes stronger. When we're present with neutral experience or feeling tone, we begin to see you know, how the dukkha of that, that it takes a lot of energy to stay present when it's neutral experience. And just look to your own experience to see how this is so. You know, those times when you're just with the breath, in, out, in, out, not much is happening. The breath is often, uh, for many of us, a neutral experience. And what happens at those times? It's hard to stay present. We want some better experience. We're with the breath in order that something else may happen rather than just being able to be present with this neutral experience. born, we get a body and mind. And like it or not, a part of having this body and mind is all these experiences through the sense doors. They come as a package. And all of these, uh, having this body, this mind, and these sense door experiences is what's called resultant karma. It's born of causes and conditions in the past as a result of things in the past. We have this body, this mind. And then these experiences start to impinge upon us. And as we have each experience, each moment of contact with sense door impressions, these feeling tones arise. And this all just happens. But what happens at this moment where feeling tone arises can change. 
If we aren't present, we will move into the cycle of becoming, of craving. But if we are present, the craving is optional. We don't have to go that route. So it's really a place where transformation is possible. In uh, experience, the feeling tone is inherent. But although it is inherent, it is not absolute in whether it's experienced as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And that will depend upon conditions. It will depend upon um, our karma, changing circumstances, what one person experiences as pleasant may not be what another person experiences as pleasant. For example, whatever we're sitting on, you know, our cushion it, uh, or chair, it may be to you the most comfortable cushion in the world, and yet to somebody else, if they sat on that same cushion, it might be too high or too low, and therefore is experienced as unpleasant. It's more specific to uh, conditions that have to do with this body, uh, our conditioning from the past, uh, shape, condition of the body. Some of us may be really flexible and can sit with ease on a really low cushion. Some of us can't. And so that will condition the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral quality. We find that even within our own experience, this pleasant, unpleasant, neutral will change. Uh, What we experience as pleasant in one moment may at another time, similar object, be experienced as unpleasant. I used to teach a retreat every year in North Carolina at a retreat center there, which in comparison to the forest refuge is quite rustic. And in teaching there, one of the accommodations that I slept in was on top of a tool shed. And it was actually a lot nicer than it might sound, sleeping on top of a tool shed. But anyhow, when I arrived there and I was told that I was going to be staying in this room, I was also told that I wouldn't be alone, that there would be other inhabitants. And these other inhabitants were snakes. And um, at one point in my life, snakes were really quite fearful. You know, and in contact of seeing a snake, unpleasant mind state would arise. Where there had also come a time where I lived in Australia. And during my time in Australia, I encountered a lot of snakes, even at one point stepping on a deadly poisonous snake. Um, but you know, through working with the scene of these fearful creatures, had come to be more at ease, at peace with them. And then here I was in North Carolina, as well as being told that I would be you know, sharing my room with these snakes, they also told me that this was a really good thing because these snakes actually ate the mice. And there was an outbreak of mice in this retreat center. And something I experience as unpleasant is laying in a bed with mice scurrying around my head. So 
It happened when I went into this room. Now, I never did see a snake there, but I did see their skins. You know, they would shed their skins in the room. And it, for me, was pleasant knowing they were there. You know, I slept better. I was more at ease, more at peace. Um, and so, you know, something that at once had been really fearful to me. You know, I, it's, I think when you live in environments um, where you aren't exposed to some of these creatures, they become huge. And so living in Canada, you know, there wasn't a lot of snakes. So if there was a snake, it was sure to be deadly poisonous. But, you know, when coming in contact, changing conditions, changing circumstances, the experience changed. <coughs> Working with pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling tone experiences, we are faced with the impermanence of these feelings. No matter how wonderful a pleasant experience is, and no matter how much we want it, it's impermanent. It's uncontrollable. We cannot just decide to have only this pleasant, beautific mind state. We can't control it. And it may be that in our practice we have moments where we experience really wonderful mind states. But they are impermanent. We can't hang on to them. And, you know, I'm sure we all know this. I'm sure we've all had some taste of practice when it's exquisite, when it's delightful, when we feel like we've got it now, we've got the knack, and it's so effortless. And then it changes. It disappears. And that's a telltale moment. Was craving present? Did it creep in? Are we left coveting this same experience? Do we then get angry, frustrated, trying to get back what we once had? There was a time in my practice where a really extended period of pleasant mind states. Wonderful. I loved it. You know, and um, yeah, I identified. And then unpleasantness, I mean pleasantness changed to unpleasantness. Unpleasantness, unpleasant mind states predominant. I was destroyed by it. It was so painful. You know, I thought not only was, was I a bad meditator, I thought the Dhamma had betrayed me. I felt forgotten by existence. It was hugely problematic. And then, you know, looking back, I can see there was a prevalence of pleasant mind states, and then there was unpleasant mind states, none of which who was who I was. But the identification had crept in.
when we're really mindful of these feeling tones, we do see what an bombardment of experience there is. And to see how quickly pleasant turns to unpleasant, turns to neutral, turns to unpleasant, turns to pleasant. It can be a continual flux of these feelings. I had a, a, a strong experience of this um, one time when I had injured my back quite badly. And there was a lot of very intense physical sensations. And at that time, I also went on a camping holiday, which, you know, I love to be in nature. I, I experience a lot of really pleasant mind states out in nature. And so it, it was kind of an unusual experience because there I was in the midst of nature touching into many of these pleasant mind states. But it started to feel a little bit different. And I noticed that because of the also experiencing a lot of this really strong sensation in the body, unpleasant sensations, Um, I couldn't kind of sink into the unpleasant in the way that I normally did. You know, and that can be our tendency when when it's pleasant to really ride that pleasant feeling. And we, you know, it's just like, ah. And, you know, with that, that expanding, releasing into it, there's the really liking of it, where I couldn't do that. But there was the the knowing of this pleasant experience and then the knowing of this dramatically unpleasant experience. I felt like, you know, there was an experience in one moment as if I was in a heavenly realm. And in the next moment, as if I was in a hell realm. And it reminded me of a similar time on retreat um, in Burma practicing with Sayadaw Ujjanaka. And I reported to him how there was this experience of being in heaven in one moment and then in the next split split second being in hell. And he laughed as I said this. And he said, yes, this is the human experience. And in Buddhism, this sometimes gets referred to as samsara. And the Buddhist dictionary describes samsara as a name by which is designated the sea of life ever restlessly heaving up and down. And this ever restlessly heaving up and down is really simply this um, trying to hang on to experience and the pushing away, the spacing out. This is samsara. When we caught, get caught in this reaction to this feeling tone. at the time when I had this experience, I could also see how much suffering there was in the aversion to the unpleasant sensations. You know, these, uh, you know, it was bad enough to have the sensations in the body, but then there came these feelings of, or mind states of anger, or feeling of pity for myself. You know, and I had the experience where I, I had, you know, it'd been six weeks with this really um, painful back, 
And then there came a point where I simply could not do something that I wanted to in a moment. And my frustration level rose, and I could feel this pity rise up. Oh, poor me. And along with it came tears. And then I thought, well, I deserve to cry. You know, it's been six weeks. It's been so hard. And I felt entitled to it. You know, after all, I'd been in pain for six weeks. And then what later happened was I found myself collapsed in a state of total exhaustion. You know, and I could see that, you know, it wasn't just a a way that sadness and frustration had arisen and passed through, but I had really identified, you know, I'd really embellished my pity. You know, my pity was really justified. I'd become so entangled in what had arisen from unpleasant contact. And this is the dukkha of getting caught up, reacting to unpleasant experiences. It becomes much simpler, much easier, if we can just be with pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. There can be a great relief No, it doesn't have this extra story of my pain, um, a whole history of our lives. It's just an experience that arises on contact through any of the sense doors, that being pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Emma Chodron, in her book, Start Where You Are, says, We shield our heart with an armor woven out of very old habits of pushing away pain and grasping at pleasure. When we begin to breathe in the pain instead of pushing it away, when we begin to open our hearts to what's unwanted, when we relate directly in this way to the unwanted areas of our lives, the airless room of our ego begins to be ventilated, brings us spaciousness, a freshness to being with experience. The Buddha once said, the enlightened one has become liberated and freed from all attachments by seeing as they really are the arising and passing away of feelings the relishing of them, the danger from them, and the release from them. Seeing these feelings in their arising and passing away, a potent form of practice. When we're seeing, experiencing, that which is pleasant, not binding ourselves to the promise of hope of this continuing, not being carried away, attached to this feeling, or being with the unpleasant, and not defining ourselves by unpleasant experience, or keeping 
a wakeful heart when experience is simply neutral. The simile that the Buddha used to describe feeling is, now suppose that in the autumn when it's raining in fat, heavy drops, a water bubble were to appear and disappear on the water, and a man with good eyesight were to see it, observe it, and appropriately examine it. To him, seeing it, observing it, and appropriately examining it, it would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance would there be in a water bubble? In the same way, a monk sees, observes, and appropriately examines any feeling that is past, future, or present, internal or external, blatant or subtle, common or sublime, far or near. To him seeing it, observing it, and appropriately examining it, it would appear empty, void, without substance. For what substance would there be in feeling? So again tonight, we'll end by doing a short um, guided meditation. As we sit, to be easy in the way that we sit, easy in body and mind. Sometimes in practice, we try so hard that we miss the obvious. The mind becomes rigid and agitated. So let the mind be easy, body at ease. And establish mindfulness through awareness of any experience through the sense doors. Looking at what is predominant in your experience right now. Maybe a body sensation, sound, mental image or thought. Just notice Is it pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? Noticing as we sit, how other experiences arise, noting their quality of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Noticing if there's a reaction to the experience, 
that's pleasant? Is there joy, delight? Do we like it, want to hang on to it? If it's unpleasant, are we trying to push it away? If it's neutral, are we looking for a different experience? Noticing how there's always one of these qualities present. Times we might see how deeply conditioned we are to want to grasp at these pleasant experiences. Seeing if we can know just as pleasant. Pleasant doesn't need to be followed by craving. When experience is unpleasant, agitation in the mind? Is there a story? Can it just be unpleasant? Not needing to get rid of. not defining ourselves by pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. We're simply born of conditions. Awareness of the impermanence. Of these feelings. Seeing how we can't control We can't govern over these feelings. A pleasant feeling. This is not mine. This is not I. This is not myself. Conditioned experience arising 
and passing away. From the Buddha, in the case of pleasant feelings, the underlying tendency to lust should be given up. In the case of painful feelings, the underlying tendency to resistance should be given up. In the case of neutral feelings, the underlying tendency to ignorance should be given up. If one has given up the tendency to lust in regard to pleasant feeling, the tendency to resistance in regard to painful feelings, and the tendency to ignorance in regard to neutral feelings, then he is called one who is free of unwholesome tendencies, one who has the right outlook, is cut off craving, severed the fetters to future existence, and through the full penetration of conceit, he has made an end of suffering. <laughs> 